Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. You guys are awesome. Wow. Thanks for that, Pastor Micah. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Who was that? One more, yeah, who was that? Yeah, back there. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for that warm welcome. Uh, it's just so great for us to be here. Um, if you haven't, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Shem. I would love to meet you after church. Uh, my family and I, we just moved here from Surrey um, on February 1st. We took possession of our house in Beverly, so we've been settling in really well, and we're calling this home. Now, for those of you, which is probably all of you here, um, that haven't heard me preach before, I have a preaching towel, and I, I get excited when I preach, I sweat a lot when I preach, and this is also my Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus towel, so I'll be, I'll be using it throughout my sermon, and you will see that happening. And also, I'm an interactive preacher, so if you're super quiet, it's really awkward for me. So if, I'm, if, you, if you feel like you want to do an amen or a or a clap, or a yeah, whatever, just say it, just, just do it, I like to, I like to interact with you all, yeah, Chappie, you're in the house, man, good to see you, all right, so, as we're, we moved here in the smack dead of winter, okay, we thought, if we're moving to Edmonton, Alberta, we're going to move here in the winter, so we can get climatized, so we can, we don't want to move here in the summer, and then have a shock later on in the winter, but this weather's been pretty nice lately again, so I know that this coming week is going to be super good, I've had my my, my, my bike out on the road already. Every time there's any kind of sunny weather, I get on my motorcycle and I'm, and I'm gone. And I know that now that the restrictions have eased a little bit, maybe you guys are planning some summer holidays. Uh, maybe you want to go somewhere nice and warm. Um, and then for all you crazy people who like camping, you know, that, that's fine. So listen, really quickly, I moved here from a third world country. I don't understand the concept of paying to live outside. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand why you pay to sit around a fire, get dirty, and stink. Amen. I moved here so I can live in a house, okay? <laughs> but as summer's coming, we're getting ex- excited about some plans. And a, f- a few years ago, Quinn had booked this place for us in Kelowna. And it's just beautiful spot overlooking uh, some water. And I, they'll have, they have some slides up there of, of that. Look at that view. Isn't that beautiful? So when she was showing me this picture, and that's live there. That wasn't like a Google picture. That was a Shem picture. <laughs> there was no hesitation that I wanted to go. When there's something like that, a picture like that, a place like that, there's no hesitation that I wanted to go. We had a great time together. Let's move to the next. Whoa. I don't even know how that got in there, honey. Is it hot in here or is it just you? <laughs> Amen. You want to keep it on that for the rest of the service? No? Okay, we'll move to the next one. Okay, there we go. Okay. So it was just this beautiful uh, place to hang out. It didn't take a lot of convincing for me. There was no arm twisting for me to go. There was no bribing from Quinn. I, Shem, I think, you know what? I think you should really go to this beautiful spot. If someone said to you, I'm going to give you tickets to go to Cancun, all-inclusive, seven days, 
all paid for. Would that be exciting? Would you go? Yeah. Don't get too excited. This is not the price is right. I'm not sending you anywhere. But it's easy when we, it's where we, we want to go. There's no convincing. There's no reservations. But what is our posture? What is our response? What is our reaction when God is calling us to go? This is where things get very interesting. Now, when I'm talking about going, I'm not talking about necessarily getting on a mission trip and, and going to a different country. When I'm talking about going, I'm talking about being obedient in your everyday life, hearing the voice of God when he's asking you to go into your neighborhood, your workplace, coffee shop, restaurant, to go and share the gospel without any hesitation, without apprehension. This brings me to my scripture this morning, and if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go. Can you say that with me? Rise and go. Toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place, and he rose and went. And, um, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. He was reading, this, uh, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about? himself or about someone else. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him what the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, the, passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. We thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I just ask that our hearts would be open. And the words that you have given me just penetrate our hearts today. Let us have eyes to really see, ears to really hear. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love Philip. There's, there's not a lot about him, but I love his heart of obedience. I love his heart for people. I love his heart for the broken his heart for the lost, his, his urgency, his boldness, his conviction to share Jesus with others. 
And we see that in this immediate obedience with little information, but complete trust in God. Immediate obedience with little information, but complete trust in God. How many times can we say that about ourselves? If God is challenging us or stirring our hearts or moving us towards something, we always hesitate, don't we? Even if eventually we may say yes, we usually hesitate. But this was immediate obedience, little information, complete trust. And he sets out. My, my sermon title this morning is Rise and Go. So a little bit of context. Previously, we see in Jerusalem, the church is going well. It's, it's growing. It's, it's, it's thriving. The numbers are multiplying. And then we see this great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, where the, they were all scattered towards the regions of Judea and Samaria, and Saul was ravaging the church. But even though, even though they were being persecuted and they were being scattered, they continued to preach the good news of Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told people there about Jesus. He shared Jesus' story and his love and his heart for them. Let me tell you a little bit about Samaria. The Samaritans and the Jews didn't really like each other. There, were, there, were not, there wasn't a lineup of people wanting to, go to, wanting to go to Samaria. It was a place of persecution, ethnic tension, cultural differences. It was a hard place to go as a Jew to preach the gospel. Yet, Philip went and his ministry there thrived. Crowds wanted to come and listen to Philip because they were eager to hear his message. They were eager to see the signs that were performed. Many people who were demonized were being freed. Many people who were being paralyzed or lame were being healed. So there was great joy in the city. Everything was going well for Philip. He already went through a hard time, came to a place of persecution, set up this church. Things were going well. People were being healed. The church was growing. And then this angel comes up to him and says, hey, dude, rise and go to the south. Leave what you know, leave what you're comfortable with, leave what you're familiar with, and go. Oh, oh, and by the way, this is a desert place. This place sucks, Philip. I want you to go to it. But he rose and went. He went. Philip could have said, listen, I don't know what the angel's name is, let's call him Bob. Listen, Bob. I've got a good thing going here. I have worked my butt off to get to this place. I was persecuted. I was fending for my life. And people really started to hear the gospel. Hearts were being changed and the church is growing. I'm doing a pretty good job here. You know what? I'm a pretty big deal. People love me. I'm a kind of a big crowd guy, mega church kind of guy. But maybe, maybe Bob, can you find a volunteer to take my place? There's lots of people that would go. No. I love that no matter what, Philip is still willing to go. He went to Samaria where it wasn't popular. And now he's going to Gaza. He was following God's plan and purpose over his preference, over his comfort. For God to summon Philip from a thriving ministry in Samaria, from a, the glamour and fame of it to a wilderness of the Judean hills is not an irrational move. 
Church, God does not make irrational decisions. He does not do that. And it may feel like that sometimes. Have you been through a season where you feel like you're walking through the wilderness? Do you, have you been through a season or maybe going through a season where you feel like you're walking through a fire or, or you feel like you're in the ocean and the waves are coming in and hitting you in the face and you're just trying to survive? What if you looked at it in God's perspective? Sometimes God takes us through the wilderness, not to abandon us, not to leave us, but sometimes God takes us through the wilderness to increase our reliance on him. Sometimes God takes us through the fire, not to, not to burn us, not to scar us, but God takes us through the fire to refine us, to burn off the things that are not of him, so we can continue to keep our eyes and our focus on him. And sometimes when we're going in that ocean where the waves are crashing in and it feels like we're just barely making it and we're holding on, God sees over those waves onto the horizon where it's calm. He knows what's coming. God doesn't make irrational moves. He doesn't make irrational decisions. Sometimes God moves us, stirs our hearts, asks us to rise and go because he knows that there are others who don't know Jesus. He asks us to get up from our comfortable seats to go because there are others that don't know the hope of Jesus. There are those who are without hope, stuck in their pain, stuck in their loneliness, their addictions, their mental health struggles, their past abuse, their current abuse, their neglect, and he's asking you and me to be the light in those dark places. He's asking you and me to be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus. One of my favorite books in the Bible is Ephesians. I love Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2, but my favorite is Ephesians 2, where it talks about who we once were. We were this, and then it talks about who we are now, our position in Christ. And I love it so much, I have it tattooed on me. Because that's what God did in my life. Death to life, darkness to light. That's what Ephesians is all about. If you are a believer, at some point in your life, church, you have experienced his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace, that even though you were dead in his trespasses, separated, alienated, having no hope, and without God, he made you and I alive together with Christ Jesus. And it is by his grace that you have been saved and brought near by the blood of Christ. And we now know that he himself is our peace, our peace that the world cannot give. It's a peace that, is, that surpasses all understanding. And that though we have and, and, and that through him, we have access to the Father. So guess what? Now we are no longer aliens. We're no longer separated. We're no longer strangers. But you and I are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Amen? Amen. And I have experienced this myself. I was so far from God. I'm 43 years old now. But I came to know the Lord in my 30s. I was so far away from him. I was stuck in my pain. I was stuck in my abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse. I was stuck with, with PTSD when I grew up in a place with war and violence and bloodshed. My attempted suicide when I was 13. 
all the decisions I made in my life. I thought I was useless. I thought I was far gone. But he came for me. And I want nothing more than to share that freedom with the people around me. To share the love of Jesus. To be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus. I can't contain and keep what he has done in my life. There's so many people in our community that don't know that. That they can have this hope. They can have this joy. They can have this freedom. That they can have Jesus as part of their life. Can I be real with you today, church? Is that okay? I speak, I, speak, I speak real and sometimes it offends people. <laughs> One of the biggest mistakes we can make as Christians is getting comfortable in our faith. Getting comfortable in our Sunday routine. Getting comfortable with where we're at. Comfortable with our seats. We sit in the same seat every Sunday. That's okay. That one's in my seat today. Mm, you start tweaking. Oh, I have my favorite preacher today. Oh, it's the other guy. Mm. Oh, it's my favorite worship leader. Oh, it's that song. I don't like that song. It's too, it's too much bass and too much drums. It's too loud. The church is not a spa where we come and get our spiritual massage on a Sunday. The church is a training ground. It's a place of fellowship where we get to gather together as saints. The church is a place where we build each other up, get built out, and then we get sent out. My favorite quote is on the website under my profile. It's from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The church is only the church when it exists for others. Built up, sent out, go into all the world. Church, Jesus wants full custody of us, not just weekend visits. He wants full custody of us, for us to move out of our comfort zone. God is far more concerned about someone's transformation than our comfort. I'm going to say that again. God is far more concerned about someone else's transformation than our comfort. It doesn't take much for us, though, to forget the Great Commission. It's what he's asked us to do, commanded us to do. You see, Philip continued to follow the word spoken by Jesus himself when it said, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Philip didn't ask why he was being sent in the middle of nowhere. He just went. Philip was still wanting to go no matter what he would face. And he knew he's already experienced persecution, but he went anyway again that he could possibly face ridicule, persecution, or even death. He still had such a desire to see people's lives being transformed by the gospel. Let's talk a little bit about the Ethiopian eunuch. So, a eunuch is a man who has been castrated for the purpose of a trusted servitude in the royal house. A king often castrated his servants to ensure, first of all, they would not be tempted to engage in sexual activity with others in the palace. Second, to prevent their plotting and overthrow. Eunuchs were incapable of setting up their dynasty of their own. Eunuchs have been employed in many civilizations 
including ancient Middle East, ancient Greece, Rome, China, Korea, Thailand. But they're a big deal. They're very powerful people. So the person from Ethiopia had come all the way to Jerusalem, at least 500 miles, to worship God and was returning to go back home. This dude was a high roller, okay? I can just see him wearing with all the gold and the bling. I can see him in his chariot surrounded by guards, and his chariot probably had like spinners on them as he's cruising down, and he was a big deal. He was a court official of the queen of Ethiopia. He was in charge of all her treasure. He was big time. So out of the tens of thousands of Jews and Gentiles and Samaritans that need Christ, the Lord sends Philip to set his favor on this man and sends an angel to Philip to ask him to rise and go. Because God's timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. Talk about the perfect timing of the Spirit. Philip goes probably having no idea what God has in mind, but it was his obedience, his immediate obedience to go. And when he gets to the road, the Spirit tells him the next step. He says, go over there and join this chariot. That's all he says. Philip didn't question it. Who's in the chariot? What do I say? What's going to happen to me? He just went to the chariot. He hears the Ethiopian reading out loud the book of Isaiah, and Philip obediently approaches the wagon, walks briskly alongside and engages the eunuch in conversation about this passage in Isaiah. He says, do you understand what you are reading? Just picture this for a moment, this powerful eunuch, probably surrounded by guards, and Philip's just like trucking alongside this cart as it's moving. Hey, do you know what you're doing even? Do you understand what you're reading? That takes guts. But the eunuch admits his need. He invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. What is, what is the meaning of this part of this, this passage in Scripture? Philip took an opportunity. Philip took a chance. As I said, the, the eunuch was probably heavily guarded. The guards were probably like, ah, this crazy dude's just jogging beside the chariot. But he was prompted by the Holy Spirit, and he couldn't contain that. He couldn't contain the stirring of God asking him to go. And we know the rest of the story, as I read. He asked for his guidance, and he explains the scripture and presents the gospel. The gospel is powerful because we don't hear much about it until we hear the results of it with the eunuch wanting to get baptized. So he did something in his heart. There was a stirring. He goes, if there's water nearby, what prevents me from being baptized? That just shows in that short trip how powerful the gospel was to the eunuch and how it completely transformed his life. That he says, hey, that dirty puddle looks amazing. Can we get baptized? Can you baptize me? I have this kind of dream, and I, I don't know if I told this to Quinn. I'd like to get a horse trough for our backyard, honey. If there are going to be any baptisms in the community, I'd love to just do it there, right then and there. That's my, honestly, that is my desire. It doesn't have to be here in the church. It can, the church is where? It's out. We're the church. This is a building. This is a gathering place. So if I can have an opportunity to have a horse trough in my backyard and I'm sharing the gospel with somebody and that same question comes, hey, what's, what can, what's going to prevent me from being baptized? I'm like, nothing. 
Let's go to my backyard. Let's get her done. Let's do it. Come on. The eunuch is baptized as Philip stands with him in the water, and he's probably got some gold on him weighing him down. I'm just picturing this in my head, this whole scenario. Probably has like this big cloak and this, I don't know, probably a well-dressed guy. But I can almost see the giddiness in the eunuch. Just the joy in his eyes, in his heart, of being completely transformed by the gospel. Though Philip is taken away, the eunuch goes on his way rejoicing. But it all starts with Philip saying, yeah, of course I'll go. No problem, I'll go. Church, it's not your ability, but your availability that will determine how God will use you. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to know the scripture inside and out. If you have an understanding of who Jesus is and what he did for you, that he rose again, that he wants others to experience that joy and that freedom, you are more than qualified. It's your willingness. It's your heart to say yes. One of the best things that I have done, one of the, the best conversations I've had with people when they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to is I said, you know what? That's a great question. I don't know. Do you want to find out together? Or let me find that out and come get back to you. Do you want to meet for coffee next week? That honesty will go such a long way. Because you're being real. You're not like, well, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> you're just being real with people. What an incredible story. We see this beautiful picture of God orchestrating seasons and movements and time from Jerusalem to Samaria to Gaza to Hakata Caesarea. Through obedience can come direction. Sometimes we need to say the yes first, and the Holy Spirit will give us more than what we need to go and accomplish what God has called us to do. I remember a couple times, even before I was called into ministry, I wasn't sure. God prompted me to wake up every morning at 5, 5 a.m. back in Syria and go to the beach every morning at 5 a.m. It was a discipline, but I really felt in my spirit I needed to do that. Each and every day when I went to the beach, I met somebody there who I was able to share the gospel with and pray for. Every single day. One guy was crabbing, and I go up there, and I felt prompted by the spirit, and I'm like, that looks kind of rough, man, like... Or creep up on some guy like 5.30 in the morning. And I walk there and I'm just standing, I have my Bible, and I'm just, just looking out. The sun is about to rise. It's just a beautiful morning. I'm like, hey, how's it going? And he's like missing fingers. Like he's like, I don't know. And he says, good. You're not one of those Christians, are you? Ah, <laughs> uh, No. Long story short, starts opening up of why he has had a hard time with Christians. Because he had tattoos, because of his past, they judged him. He had lost his daughter through suicide, he had lost his son through suicide. His son overdosed, his daughter blew her brains out, brains out with a shotgun. And then his wife was pregnant, and his her dad didn't approve of the marriage, so he kicked her in the stomach and she lost the baby. This man had gone through pain 
And when he went and approached somebody, they said, it's probably because of your sin. That was his experience. And that broke me. But then he broke down. This tough exterior breaks down. And he starts to weep. All I did was say, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Sometimes we just need to empathize and love and walk with people and not just preach at them and talk at them. And at the end of it, I asked him permission. I'm so sorry that this was the experience with, another, with a Christian. Can I, can I just pray for healing over you and, and, and for me to have better understanding? Yeah. I don't know how far that went. I never saw the man again. But those were those experiences when God prompts us for us to be obedient. Take those opportunities. I've missed many opportunities out of fear. But the more I do it, the more I understand that it's just me and them. The more I understand that it's your one conversation away from someone's life being changed. Do you take opportunities, church? When you get a stirring in the spirit, do you take moments to talk to people, to counsel someone? Just maybe going through a separation. Buy a meal for the person sitting outside the gas station by the Tim Hortons. Do you give someone money when they ask for it, or do you make a judgment? Well, I don't know where that's going. I don't know what they're going to do with it. That person looks a certain way. I talked to a guy a few days ago. I won't mention his name. But he said he was... He moved here from a different province and he lived on the streets for a while. He was homeless. And he said, man, when I was in front of a business or a restaurant, people would threaten to call the cops. Swearing at me, asking me to get the F out of here. All I wanted was food. But it was just the way I looked. I looked different from them. And that, when he said that to me, man, that broke all he wanted was food, an opportunity, a conversation, someone to look at him, to love him, and care for him. We can sometimes judge because they don't look like us, have the same beliefs like us. They don't do things the way I do. But who did Jesus do life with? What was Jesus' mission? Every single day he ate with people, he cried with people. He laughed with people. He did life with people who were far from his father. Years from now, when I'm no longer here, there's a few things I want people to remember me by. First is how I loved my wife and my kids and how I shepherded my family, how I served God. Yes, those are important. But I want to be the guy who people to know, hey, that guy, he, he took opportunities. I remember him. He, he loved people. He shared the gospel with people. He shared the good news of Jesus with people. He helped them walk through challenges in, in life and sat with them and ate with them. And he, he never judged me. He just loved people who I was. There was no agenda when Shem was talking to me. So that's how I want people to remember me. What would you want to be known years from now? How would you want me to be known? How much money you make? How popular you were? How many followers on TikTok you had? How many Sundays in a row you attended? How many weeks and months you went opening your YouVersion Bible app and kept the streak going? 
how many opportunities, or is it how many opportunities you took to share the gospel? How many opportunities you took to be, actually be with people with no agenda? Souls is the currency of heaven, church. It's the word of the redeemed. It is, it is you and I that have been called to speak the life-changing relationship with Jesus. You and I. Speak about his love, his grace, his forgiveness. And let me tell you this. You may not always see the results. The impact of your obedience will go far beyond what you can see. Years down the road, some will say, I know Jesus because Micah spoke into my life. Ernie called me in my time of need and cared for me. Amanda was persistent in inviting me to church for the youth group, and it's because of her I'm here today, and because of her my life has changed. It is because of you. Someone gets to heaven, and they see you. Hey, it's because of you, and the time you took, and the love you shared. It's because of you that I'm here. I know what real love is, because you fed me. You clothed me. You cared for me. My mom took an opportunity with me. I was so far away from the Lord. She never stopped praying for me. I came home one day and I was drunk and stoned out of my mind. And she was praying over my pillow. I was 17 years old. I said, Mom, what are you doing? And she goes, Son, I'm praying over you. Because one day, God's going to call you into ministry. One day. I laughed at her. Look what I'm doing now. So parents, I say this all the time. Never stop praying and contending for your kids. People here who have a family member or a friend that you've been praying for for years, never give up. You just never know what God can do and completely transform and change their lives. I walked into our church that I was pastoring before, a broken man, angry with the world, walking on a Sunday because my son wanted to go to Sunday school, and I said, okay, that's fine. This five-foot-nothing, 88-year-old lady named Janet walks up to me, gives me a big hug, and says, welcome. That's it. I'm glad you're here, she said. She wasn't intimidated by me. She didn't care about my past, the things that I did, the things that I said, the things that I experienced. She says, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. That's what I'm talking about, church, is those little things. You are one conversation, one prayer away, one step of boldness away, one moment away, one opportunity away from someone having that life-changing experience, that life change with Jesus. That's it. Until I have come to know Jesus or until Jesus himself comes, we are not exempt as believers to go into all the world and preach the gospel. To love without judgment and condemnation. This is you and I. We are to bring the message bringers of Jesus to the world. You and I. It's our job. And I pray if only by the Spirit, His power stirs us up to be more like Philip. God, please give me, give us this desire to share your love with others. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 says, 
Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, in which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered, you to, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on that third day accordance with the scriptures. The conversation of the Ethiopian eunuch graphically demonstrates the inclusiveness of the gospel. No apparent obstacle, whether physical defect, race, or geographical remoteness can place a person beyond the saving call of the good news. Tradition says that the eunuch carried the gospel back home to Ethiopia and founded the church there. Philip found himself at Azotope as he carried on preaching the gospel. The ripple effect. Church, do you want to see lives and communities transformed through the gospel? I'm taking it as a silent yes. <laughs> Can we agree as a church that the gospel still is and always will be the good news to be proclaimed? Amen. Can we also agree that it has lost none of its power to save? The good news is all is for all and can penetrate the hardest of hearts, the wounded hearts, the broken hearts. The gospel is able to transform and restore. I see brokenness all around us, especially in this community of Beverly. But you know what God does? He takes all the broken pieces of our lives, the shattered pieces of our lives, and he puts it together like it's new again. He restores everything like it's new again. And he's able to do that. So what are we waiting for? If not you and I, who's going to do it? You might think, oh, maybe just the pastors or I'm not comfortable. You are more than equipped. You're more than equipped to sit with somebody and have a coffee. You're more than equipped to take somebody out for lunch. Philip was always going and always making disciples, preaching the gospel, sharing Jesus. It's time for us as a church to be excited about that. This is not something that's supposed to be fearful. It's, it's exciting. I want to share the good news of Jesus. I want to share what God has done in my life in any way possible. I really need to rise and go. It's my time to do that. Worship team, will you please come? Church, will you stand with me, please? I'd just like you to just have a posture of just kind of hearing right now from the Holy Spirit and just receiving. And I know you're not here by accident. I know that God has brought you here today for a reason. And maybe this has been stirring in your heart for a while. Maybe this has been something you've been battling with. How do I do this, man? How do I, how do I get out there? I want to, but... I'm scared. I don't know how. Someone else will do it. I want to pray that we would be more like Philip. As you're in a posture of kind of receiving and hearing, I ask you a question today. Who is the Ethiopian eunuch in your life that God is bringing you to today? Who is that one? Is it your neighbor? 
is rising up and going and going and offering to mow their lawn? Is it a friend? Maybe it's time that you take them out for dinner. It's been in your heart for a long time to share the love of Jesus with them. Maybe it's your coworker, even the one you don't like, that you want to continue to show them love, Christ-like love. Maybe it's a family member that you've been praying for for a long, long time, but in your own quiet time, but it's time for you to call them and pray for them on the phone or to meet them for a coffee. Maybe it's a person in the train. Give them your seat. Have a conversation. Maybe it's the barista at Starbucks. Ask her how her day is going. Tell her that the coffee was great. Have a conversation. Maybe it's a server at your restaurant. When they bring your meal and before you bless your meal, ask them if you can bless them alongside your meal. Maybe God is asking you to rise up and go into your community. The Beverly cleanup is coming up on May 14th. Maybe it's something that you can do where you can be a part of the community, engage with people in the community, clean up our streets, spend time with people, have an opportunity to show God's love through your actions. There's kids' capers coming up in July. Maybe God's stirring in your heart to give towards this camp. Maybe you've been thinking about how can I, how can I support Delaney and, and the team? Maybe he wants you to volunteer a day out of those three weeks, or maybe the full week. But if you can't, like I can, I can give some finances towards this. I can be a part of change and see other kids come to know Jesus. Maybe you want to talk to me or Jim and Karen or the folks after church about joining the Eden Court team. About being in the community, being intentional. Maybe it's about, hey, this this year I'm going to take my barbecue from my backyard to the front yard. I'm going to have a barbecue and invite my neighbors to come hang out. I'm going to be intentional. Will you pray with me? Father, we come before you today and we realize that we are imperfect people called into a relationship with an absolutely perfect God. We thank you for the freedom that we have received, the position that we have in you, Jesus. We want others to experience your love and forgiveness, mercy. We thank you that even when we were dead in our trespasses, separated, alienated, without hope, without God, that you made us alive together with you, Lord. And it is by your grace that we have been saved. Jesus, we thank you that through you and what you accomplished on the cross, we now have access to the Father. That we are no longer separated, we are no longer far from you, we are no longer aliens, but we are fellow citizens with the saints members of the household of God. God, please give us boldness. Ready our hearts always. Give us your kind of love, the love that that you shared with people. We just want to follow in your example and your consistency of loving people, sitting with people, caring for people, eating with people, just doing everyday life. I pray that as we leave today, we would not forget your word 
continue to want to be a part of that great commission of who you called us to be. That people that would go out into the world and share your love with others around them. We thank you for your word this morning, Jesus. We commit all of these things in your precious name. We pray blessing over everybody here this morning. We love you, Jesus. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.